Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery, Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. Hello, cats and kittens, and welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. This is your host, Jamie Rodriguez, and I hope everyone is having a great start to September, just a handful more months in 2020. And before we get started with today's guest, wanted to thank you guys for the great feedback on the show. Uh, if you are new, we encourage you to actually subscribe to our weekly newsletter where we send you the five best new songs every Friday. And all you have to do is go to our website, J Roth Concerts Podcast, scroll down, put your email, and bam done. Today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, super talented, rock and roll drummer, love it. His name is Eric Slick. His uh, latest EP, spectacular EP actually, Wiseacre, came out a couple weeks ago, August 14th, and the first single um, is really, really good when it comes down to it. Fantastic. And the video is really hilarious. We talk about it in the interview. You may know Eric from his work as the drummer of Dr. Dog. He's been in all the great songs from Shame, Shame to Abandoned Mansion. He's, you know, the steadying drums on, on Peace of Mind and all that good stuff. So uh, we welcome Eric to the show. His first solo album, Parasites, which came out three years ago, was a critic favorite. Uh, if you want to start with uh, standout tracks from that one, You Became the Light, I would recommend. But all in all, it's a pleasure to welcome Eric to the show. And thank you guys for joining the J-Rod Concerts podcast family. And this is Eric Slick. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you, Eric. Can you hear me and see me? Yes, I can. I'm actually driving. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No problem. No problem. I mean, as funny as that would be uh, for everybody, I think I'm going to just do it this way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Eric, by the, where are you driving to? Let's start there. Where are you driving to? <laughs> uh, I am driving to a socially distanced drum lesson that I'm giving. Okay, a socially distanced drum lesson. That's cool. Six feet apart. Very six good. Feet apart, six feet apart with Max, the whole deal. That's awesome. That's awesome. Eric, I mean, look, by the way, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you accommodating me and, you know, the whole thing. Congratulations, Eric, on a spectacular album that comes out in August, Whitehaker. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Had a chance to preview it uh, for the past few days. Man, what a, what a great album. Seriously, congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Of course, of course. And we will definitely um, get in deep to, to it in a second. But the first, the first single I want to tell my audience, so it's already out when it comes down to it. Yes. And um, let me tell my audience, by the way, uh, Eric is the, drummer, is the drummer of Dr. Dog. You've been on everything from, you know, Shame Shane to Abandoned Mansion. And uh, I want to tell my audience, you know, those steadying drums that you hear in songs like Peace of Mind or Gym Song, that's Eric. Yes, it so, is. So anyway, and your first, this is your second solo album. Your first one, uh, Parasites, was a critic favorite, Eric. So, Oh, it, it, you know, I was uh, completely surprised by that. And I'm surprised that anybody likes it. But it's, uh, it's nice to hear that people do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very yeah. humble. But hey, I'll say it for you. Man. That's great. <laughs> so Eric, COVID-19 has been weird for everybody, right? Um, everyone's had 
to take some few punches. You recently got married, like a year ago. Yeah. How yeah. has that been like? Uh, getting married is the best decision we've ever made. I mean, I, I can't say anything bad about getting married. Uh, what I do, what, what I am sad for is that like uh, the people who wanted to get married um, this year uh, are kind of out of luck. I mean, like I, looking back at our wedding photos, I'm like, oh my God, we had a wedding with people and we were hugging and dancing and yeah. It, feel, it just feels like a different uh, lifetime at this point, you know? It does, doesn't it? Wow. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. So uh, it's weird to go back and, you know, we just had our first year wedding anniversary. We went back and looked at all the photos and we were like, wow, I can't believe that we had a wedding. That's so crazy. <laughs> like, it, it just feels uh, so far away from where we're at right now. But um, it does. Yeah. yeah getting, getting married is amazing. And, Honestly, it was the whole bedrock for this record. Um, all, all the inspiration for the lyrics and the music and yeah. everything about it was sort of a tale of meeting my wife and uh, falling in love and all the uh, amazing and wonderful things that come from that and all of the complicated things that come from that as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, Eric. I, I feel like, you know, Palisades or Bullfighter um, were a little bit different, right? This is a very uplifting album, if you will. Right, Palisades and Bullfighter were me kind of exercising whatever demons I had, you know, uh, mm -hmm. like Palisades was a, a record about meditation, but it's also about the uh, difficulties that come along with uh, trying to uh, meditate. And then Bullfighter was sort of a, a record about uh, confronting spirituality. And they, they were more confrontational, whereas like Wiseacre, the intent behind the record was to be uplifting and to be sort of uh for for more people you know to make yeah. to make a more accessible version of all the things that i liked um not in a way that i felt like would sacrifice who i am but um just just a real attempt at trying to connect with people more yeah yeah no and mission accomplished and one of the one of the songs of whitesaker haunted Yes. You ask, you basically asked the question, why did I think loving you was above me, you know? Um, exactly, yeah. And I, I like that you acknowledge what you just said. Because I, I have to tell you, Eric, I, I've always thought it was such, like, I, like I've heard from like two or three people that, for example, John Mayer, he yes. sabotages his relationships on purpose when he's too happy. Because he's, for the sake of his art, right? <laughs> well, sounds... and, I, and I think that that is uh, more and more becoming an antiquated ideal. I think that mm -hmm. the art, it's the artist's responsibility to also be a good person. And um, the sort of tortured artist um, archetype is something that I've been trying to wrestle with my whole life. And that's not to say that like, I'm exempt from suffering. Like every artist suffers for their art in some way. But I sure. do think that it's the artist's responsibility to um, not sabotage things as much as they possibly can and try to foster healthy relationships with each other. All, I like all that. Of, yeah, and all, all of the artists that I know that are still working and still functioning at a high level have good relationships with the people in their lives. So I really um, respect that when, when somebody can achieve that kind of uh, goal, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, and Haunted, you and Haunted is directly about that. You know, it's not just about uh, love, loving my wife. It's about, like, uh, not wanting to succumb to the... Uh, archetype that like an artist is a messed up person. True, true. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah, it, like people used to say, oh man, when Alanis Morissette got happy, her music took a dive. It's like, man, like that shouldn't be like that, right? 
No, no. <laughs> and, and that's all relative, you know, to Alanis, she might think that she's making the best music of her career because she's finally happy. Right. But because an audience viscerally connected with a record like Jagged Little Pill, they are now holding her to the expectation that she has to suffer for the art, you know? Very true, Eric, very, very true. Uh, let me ask you about um, the equipment that you used to record this album, Eric. Is it true you, you had like this rare custom mixing board, like a pedal that has its own power supply? All these crazy gadgets, right? And by the way, that solo on uh, <laughs> Close to Heaven, uh -huh. oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> Wow, oh, thank you. epic, thank you. epic. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank tell you. us about it, the equipment. So the equipment, um, that is mostly the guy who produced the record, Jeremy Ferguson, he's a studio called Battle Tapes. He owns a very rare mixing board called the Spectrasonics. Um, the original Spectrasonics board is what they used on John, Len John Lennon's Imagine. And um, yeah. so it really lends itself to a very unique drum sound. So. As a drummer, I gravitated towards that sound and Jeremy is so good at dialing in drum tones. So I felt very comfortable with him and his um, mixing board. And then he has like every pedal known, uh, like like any pedal that you could think of, he has it. Um, it's, it's almost like the Noah's Ark of pedals. Like he's mm. got everything. And nice. uh, the guitar solo in Closer to Heaven, uh, the, the tone was created. Uh, I was like looking for a distorted guitar sound And he was like, actually, I have this power supply that can starve the voltage from the pedal and create a distortion <laughs> sound. And I was like, the, he, I mean, he just has so many um, ingenious ideas like that. It's like um, a Dexter, like a producing to Dexter. Yeah. Totally, totally. And um, he also had just purchased a brand new Moog synthesizer, the Moog One for the recording. So that's on, um, I mean, that's on like every song. We really utilize the Moog. Um, So the record wouldn't have been possible without some of those pieces of equipment, for sure. Epic, epic, man. Let me ask you so about the first single that just came out. Yes. Uh, when it comes down to it. Uh, very interesting, great flow. I thought the chord structure was really unique. Yes. Um, and, and, and then upon reading a little bit how some of your influences are, you know, uh, Harry Hosono, for example, or Milton Nascimento, it makes perfect sense. Um, well, yeah, yeah. And in fact, uh, I had been listening you know, to a lot of Hasono and a lot of Nascimento. Um, and those were two artists that my wife introduced me to. And Milton Nascimento has now become one of my, my favorite artists. And, and there's actually a chord change right before the chorus that is lifted from a song from his album, Nina. So I wanted to make sure that I gave him credit because uh, I think the chord changes are so beautiful in uh, this song. It's a great song. It's a great song. Yeah. Is it true that you, that you like put a timer for 30 minutes when you wrote it? It's true. Yeah, uh, I read the Jeff Tweedy book, uh, the Jeff Tweedy of Wilco. I read yeah. that he sets a timer every day uh, to write songs. And I thought that, that was really inspiring because it sort of forces you to move along. Um, Eric, I, I, can't, I can't do a grilled cheese in 30 minutes, man. I, I, hey, it's hard. <laughs> so what I thought would be a good exercise is like, you know, because I'm the kind of person where if I go to write a song, I will like kind of get in my head about it I, I you know maybe i won't make a, the right decisions because i'm overthinking it like if you set a timer you can't overthink it you just have to write a song so mm. uh the first couple attempts at doing that you write some really bad songs <laughs> yeah um but after a while you get used to that flow of writing quickly and um it, it becomes really uh natural it's amazing it's amazing yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me ask you about the video, Eric. <laughs> Genius. I'm, like, I, I, hope, I hope you're getting your Video Music Award MTV suit ready, even if it's, <laughs> even if it's on Zoom, because that, is a that video is going down to history as soon as pe people catch us on. Um, <laughs> it's, it's basically, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but it's based on those 1980s instructional videos uh, that, that people used to kind of like subscribe to, like with the chord structure and the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. So when I was in high school, I would buy those old VHS tapes of instructional videos for guitar yeah. and for drums. And then when YouTube first came on the scene, I would watch a lot of old instructional videos. I still do. Um, but I thought it would be funny because I'm in isolation and I can't like afford to make a high budget music video for any reason. I was like, well, maybe I can make my own homespun version of an instructional video. And uh, it was a really fun challenge. I, I learned how to make a a VHS effect on my computer. So, like, so good. It was really, uh, really fun to edit uh, a video. It was, I never, I've never done that. It's phenomenal. The, the effects, the actual chords are there. You can actually learn the song. Your expressions are a trip. Your facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> That's phenomenal, Eric. Thank yeah. you. Good job. You, good job. Yeah, yeah, of Thank course. Um, okay, wow. You're being so generous with your time, I, but I do want to ask you a couple more questions. I feel like, okay. You just mentioned the Jeff Tweedy thing and simplicity. Like, you, you were all about simplicity in this thing. Do you think that, like, in this pandemic, that idea has become, like, more maybe universal? The simple Absolute, things? Absolutely. Because I think people are being forced to look at um, how they view the world and how they identify themselves. And I, I know for myself, I've only identified as a touring musician for 15 years, and that's how... I, I see myself in the world, but right. now that I'm not touring, uh, you have to take a closer look at how you identify yourself and um, the things that matter. So I think a lot of people are looking at the things that matter. And of course, what's been amazing is that we've been able to look at things like um, racial inequality and the, you know, the government and all these things that are, you know, things that we didn't, that we would think about, but didn't get to devote a lot of time to. So there's all these changes. It's like, a movement towards anti-materialism. It's a movement towards yeah. anti-racism. All things that I'm absolutely in favor of. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Yeah. Let me ask yeah. you about one more song, and then I want to ask you about your your label, your vinyl label, real quick. But let's let me ask you about children. Yes. Um, it's a gorgeous song, and whenever we do come back to touring, I think it's gonna be a live staple of your new album. Uh, I hope just, so. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just has that that live epic. Uh, face to it. What can you tell us about it real quick? So I read a lot of self-help books and uh, there's a book called Healing the Child Within that's sort of about um, imagining your younger self in your mind's eye and you know when we're kids uh, we have a lot of trauma there's a lot of things that happen that we're not conscious of so it's a way of addressing your younger self and saying um, it, everything's okay so when um, you get into an argument with a friend or uh, your partner or whoever in your life, really what you're doing is reenacting some event that happened when you were a kid. And so that's what the song is about. You know, we are only children here yearning to be loved. So when you remove the argument from it, we're just kids here. And um, we have to honor that. and We have to respect each other because uh, life is very complicated. So that, that's what that song is about. Um, it's about uh, healing that child within uh, yourself. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good, very good, Eric. Uh, 
Very good. So I, I just mentioned you actually, I don't know how you have time to do all this. Be a good husband. Um, <laughs> no, I, and I can tell you as a recently divorced one, by the way. <laughs> so, that, oh. so, I know, so I know it takes, I know what it takes. Uh, least records. You have your own yes. vinyl. You have your own vinyl label. Like, tell us wh- how long have you been doing this? How do you have the time? Like the whole thing. Uh, well, unfortunately, I do not do lease records anymore. Um, so with the launch of Wiseacre, I actually have gotten rid of lease records and now it's just slick records because I figured that would be a lot easier. So okay. the new record is being pressed through with the help of Bandcamp. Um, so mm-hmm. Bandcamp has been an amazing resource for musicians this year, especially because yeah. They have these band camp days every month where they don't take a cut of the artist pay. Yes. So, yes. Mm-hmm. so my management team was like, hey, you should partner up with Bandcamp to press your vinyls from now on. And I was like, oh my God, this is such a no brainer. Like I can fund the record via Bandcamp and then I'm not um, putting up all this money and going into debt making records. Um, right. So Bandcamp has been such an amazing resource. Uh, not just for me, but then of course they, they also donate to social justice organizations and they're just, uh, I, I can't say enough good things about what they're doing right now. So yeah, RIP lease records uh, and now uh, birth to slick records. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's awesome, Eric. Thank well, listen, you. You, have a, you have a student that is going to be very anxious to work with you momentarily socially distant yes um but wanted to thank you so much for your time and, and congratulations again wiseacre oh my god august 14th it comes out guys make sure you pre-add it on apple music yes. spotify the whole thing it's it's a fantastic 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 listen it just takes you somewhere else in these dark times so thanks for that art uh, eric really appreciate it oh thank you so much jamie thank you for having me absolutely man and uh, stay safe and be well You too. Talk soon. You've been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.